Hello there, friends, and welcome to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, your enchanted passport and sometimes twister over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your co-hosts, Tara and MK, your good trouble witches of the concrete jungle, here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, our third, we return to Baum and the turn of the 20th century, finishing up our remaining 13 books in the original Oz series penned by first royal historian of Oz himself, L. Frank Baum, and published between 1904 and 1920 posthumously. And then we return to Oz, taking up residency in Disney's dark, disturbing, and kind of delayed fantasy sequel of the Kinder Trauma Age, scarring viewers since 1985, a near 50 years after the MGM release. Wheelers in shock therapy and screaming heads. Oh my, we are in for a wild ride. Buckle up, babies. Off the pod, feel free to visit our Insta at Down the Yellow Brick Pod for an accompanying Technicolor scrapbook, as well as our Patreon Pod Squad, where we continue the escapism and entertainment with bonus content from Tiny Oz Concerts, think coffee shop style covers and mashups of Aussie tunes, our Yellow Brick vlogs, exclusive episodes, monthly parties with occasional special guest drop-ins and giveaways, and more behind-the-scenes shenanigans. As a community-funded podcast, our Patreons are truly our backbone, our people. So consider joining our pod squad today. It would make our day. Now, may the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals in New York City can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Hey, M, to Oz? To Oz! Andrew Kolb is an illustrator, author, and designer. He's written two picture books illustrated a whole bunch of other books, and most recently created the Oz tabletop role-playing setting. He's lived in a few different places, some in Canada, some beyond, and currently calls Ontario his home. Welcome, dear listeners, to another very special episode of our Slipperhood series here on Down the YBP. You've got MK here, and we've got Tara in the house. Hey, Tara. Hey, MK. Hey, listeners. <laughs> hey, listeners. Well, we are so excited to get into today's episode. We have a lot to learn. We have a lot of questions <laughs> for our guest. So we have a very special guest today joining the Slipperhood. He is an illustrator, a designer, and a game designer, which is really the hot topic of today's episode. So Welcome to exciting. the Slipperhood, Andrew Kolb. Hi, thank you for having me. Heels clicking, to... heels clicking, heels clicking, <laughs> heels clicking. What well, Tara and I, yeah, welcome, welcome. Tara and I are in the midst of putting together our annual end of season giveaway, which goes in many different directions. I mean, we've only done two so far, but it's such a fun exploratory time to explore like Etsy shops, local artists. Tara really takes the reins on it and she crushes it's it. It's my love language. It's her love <laughs> language. Just do it, Tara. Just go for it. And uh, this year, you were kind of her big discovery. How did you discover? Well, well oh, first, I had known. Say, 
Yeah, that's the same okay, question okay. I would ask is, how did you find me? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I had known, I think it's hashtags, to be honest oh, with you. Okay. Tara Rock Because the hashtag, like the Wizard of Oz hashtags are how I like find so many like up and coming projects. Yes. It's so exciting to see that. I love it too. And I, I think Instagram knows, like I really get excited to see those. <laughs> I think I always pause because it's like usually it's anything from like a children's production of the Wizard of Oz, which are my, oh my favorite, gosh, to like upcoming merchandise and upcoming um, special events. So I think that's how it fell on my radar and it's been on my radar for a while. Yes. And then I just was like, I got to reach out. Like, what am I hesitating <laughs> on? Well, that's great. Well, I appreciate that you did. Uh, Cause I mean, as much as I have kind of done a deep dive into Oz, I don't know if I've really branched out into the community surrounding that, if that makes sense. Like I, I think I just know them as, the books that I've read and the films that I've watched, but haven't really considered the kind of like world built up around it, which is really exciting. So when you reached out, I was like, Oh, this is very cool. And then obviously started listening to the podcasts and the like deep dives into the books and just discovering. Yeah. Other people have been reading, obviously other people have been reading these books, but just kind of like sharing that with each other, which has been very fun. Yeah. Oh. I love that. That warms but my heart. We're new to the books. Like I think you're, yeah. you were new to the books as an adult, correct? Yeah. My, I guess my, my simple history is the like movies as a child and the first book as a child, usually from like, it would start off as you know, those like collections of a, a chapter from this book and a chapter from a, a different book. And then all kind of like squished together. And I remember reading the individual chapters from the, the first book and then finding the book later and then realizing that there's a second book, but it wasn't exactly like the second movie. And then, then realizing that the third book started to tie things like it just, it, it snowballed from there, but then uh, <laughs> only, only kind of like grew in the last couple of years where I've really, yeah. In the last couple of years I've had read, Oh, until about rinky tink uh that's as far Yay, as i've gone but, uh, rinky yeah. Tink. yeah so really started to kind of Bill dive Bill. into the deeper the deeper lore of of bombs you're world. in when you're in you rinky tink are, yeah. you are in <laughs> you like made welcome i still feel like a newcomer or a, a visitor uh but i i appreciate yeah, that welcome. same yeah. We feel the same way. Yeah. I think we are we are always clear that we are new to this. Like mm-hmm. we like to say historians and training, but also like mm. more about the community aspect for us. So that's exciting 100%. that the community part enchanted you because yeah, there's so many people who love this. And I know there's so many people in our community that are going to be obsessed with your game that you created. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny because I I really come from it uh, from the other side, like I, my kind of background is more in like playing in other settings and other adventures. Uh, so my perspective is, oh, I want to like make something to like share with the people that I know this world, like bringing Oz to them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also, I really like the idea of, of Oz being the way that brings D and D to people. Like they come for the Oz first and then the D and D is second, yes. which I think will be fun. Um, <laughs> but also was not expecting. I really was coming from a mindset of like, you know, D and D here's maybe a oh. part of like, maybe, you know, the movies or maybe you've read the first book, but here is, cause I try to get into like as much of the lore as possible or try to condense as much of the, dozen or so books into this one setting um yes in a way that like for newcomers can go oh i like i know about cowardly lie but who is hungry tiger and then start to kind of talk about that so uh yeah it's 
yeah, a shift to go, oh, right. There are people who will probably tease this book apart and go, oh, I know all of this, but I don't understand any of the rules or how to yep. play this game or things like that. And I don't know if I'm the best teacher for that, but I will, I, hopefully the book can can help with some of it. I think you're qualified <sighs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a lot to learn. Thank you for sharing just a little bit of your background. So Andrew is the creator of Oz, a fantasy role-playing game, among other creations. Did we Andrew. not say that? I know. I don't even <laughs> yeah. think we said it. <laughs> It'll be in your bio It'll at the top of this. Sure. Yeah. We're God. <laughs> that is just amazing. We just get right into it. I know. We're like, we're excited. We want to talk about it. Um, right. So I'm sure we'll get into your other magical creations as well. But uh, a way that we really like to start all of our Slipperhood episodes recently is what is maybe one or two things you want to share about your identity today that could be broad, it could be even just something that delighted you in your morning or your coffee ritual. Um, Because we assume you have that. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's got to have it. (laughs) There, uh, my so I admittedly I don't drink coffee. Um, it's never, oh, okay. it's, but right. I do still have a morning ritual. I, I tend to make yogurt with granola and berries. Uh, nice. So that is kind of like my like start to the day. Like I, anything I kind of do before that kind of feels like a cheat or a bonus. But once I have mm. breakfast, then I feel like the day <laughs> has begun. Uh, as far as my identity, um, I don't know. I like. I like taxidermy. I find that I've started to explore that a lot more. Um, Very simple stuff, like only insects. I've not gone into birds or mammals. I think that's still, still intimidating, but um, yeah, that's, that's something that outside of like illustration and such. We had a whole chat on taxidermy and return to Oz when we were covering that. And we have lots of thoughts. (laughs) So, so interesting. I have to go out. Is that in the, is that in one of the earlier seasons? Or is that this in current season, season two? Oh, oh, okay, okay. So I just haven't gotten there yet. Great. We'll, Great. <laughs> we'll chat. But I just—it's been on our mind because we've been having like co- I guess complex conversations because we don't know how we feel about taxidermy. So it's interesting that you brought oh, it up. Okay, share what and, and, and maybe we've already <laughs> gone into it in the episode. If we can go back to it again, what's the kind of like big overview of it? Well, I think it was inspired by the, the gump in Return to Oz, and also just like off with their heads being like Amazing. totally the Alice in Wonderland stolen theme of Return to Oz. There's a lot of like headless folks and <laughs> <laughs> just a, mm. just a theme. Jack loses his head too. Um, but yeah, we were talking about like the display of deceased once living creatures that we take their life. Like what does that represent? Like we, we didn't have answers. We just kind of had questions. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. But we understand that like hunting is like a deep thing that like has roots in survival so we get that but we don't quite know if we think the trophy aspect of it is necessary these days for maybe us oh but then we like educational okay, yeah, though. Yeah. so there yes 100%. educational is yeah different. and i think insects I, different I clarify, <laughs> yes and where yeah and i don't again i'm not like i'm not a hunter uh, uh when i speak of taxidermy i'm really thinking of like uh like i got a number of bees from a oh. from an apiary that had like died over the winter and kind of like displaying them to kind of mimic how they live in life like kind of oh, cool. uh not necessarily That's celebrating their death but but just like a, it's not it's not about like i don't have i should also clarify for listeners i do not have 
heads upon heads on you my don't have a gun. Like, yeah. I have no, I do not. Uh, but just small domes of like insects that have naturally died, and then like kind That's of making cool. displays that kind of capture them That's in life. Different. I think I've always been inspired by like the Museum of Natural History yes. and kind of yes, yes, seeing animals kind of like in those kind of like uh kind of like a moment in time yeah. displays i've always been inspired by that so that's my that's my take love that but yes I, and i also do not have any answers yeah Only we questions. don't either but look at us falling down <laughs> our know. first rabbit hole on taxidermy i mean that that was actually a really <laughs> interesting conversation because yeah i feel like a lot of people might not myself included in the past like you think taxidermy and you think one thing when it's really so nuanced there's so many hmm. levels to it and re- yeah. reasons that it might be happening. I know as a kid, I was obsessed. I don't know if it, I mean, I guess <laughs> we're derailing, but I'll have to look into this later. Like <laughs> butterflies. I, I, I was obsessed yeah. with. I have them yeah. in my apartment. Like in my, we have butterfly taxidermy oh. in my like hallway, oh. like coming up to my. Yeah. So that would also be considered taxidermy, right? And does that, yeah, does that exist in a different space uh, in your mind as the like trophy yes, heads? Yes, I think they're different. The Great question. Oh, interesting. Yes, why? totally. I, I don't know why. Not that they shouldn't or should, but why? I think, mm. great question. <laughs> yeah, really good I think question. because, you know, I feel like with butterflies, we know their life is, they had their lifespan is pretty short. So I'm glad they get to be preserved pawn death because we know like it's what two weeks lifespan butterflies get Something yeah i think like it depends that. but yeah it's yeah, very it's, it's very, definitely short. very short yeah, yeah it's god butterflies are such a metaphor like th- yeah. for everything like they get like this moment in the sun with wings that is so short um <laughs> but anywho yeah like i think that part of it like feels like a pre- preservation of beauty and like something that transformed so there's mm. something symbolic i think in that but sometimes I am a little creeped when I look at it. I'm like, you were once alive. And then, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, with like a, a head of an animal, I don't know. It's detached. Detached head. It it's just, different. it feels really different. I think the size hmm. feels like a concept for me of like, oh, it's smaller. It's more manageable for my brain to process. Yeah. If it didn't die of natural causes, I think that's where I'm like, oh. Oh, but this is that but was then, a like, good question. I don't know. Like then, I, of course, like I don't want to question if it was like this was food for folks. People need to live, and like the food chain is a thing. Mm. I don't know, guys. <laughs> Again, no answers here. Just curiosity. Yeah, I, curiosities. Um, yeah, because I and, and I should also say that the reason why I kind of got into it was. Uh, I think I recognized myself like a general kind of like aversion to dead things. Like I, I used to work outside for my. We're really just getting into randomness. We're not going to. We're not going to talk about. D&D I love at this. All today. No, we <laughs> asked. We asked this about this. What we love. It's our fault. I, we um, wanted it. No, it's great. I um, I used to work outside for my family, and and we would find like just every once in a while you'd find like you know a dead toad or something like underneath a, a bush, and it always like really scared me. Like I found that that was the thing that kind of like. I had the most aversion to, uh, and I found that taxidermy was like a good, almost like immersion therapy to like be mm. more comfortable with dead oh. things. Uh, and obviously I'm talking about like very small insects. Again, I'm still not comfortable with birds or like rodents or, or other kind of like larger taxidermy animals. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's interesting. It gets an interesting study in death and life like we're talking about with those cycles um so yeah i don't know maybe maybe those deer heads just are 
too prominent a reminder of death, especially with the mm. kind of like separation of the body as yes. opposed to yes, separation kind of just like of body. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> correct. Correct. There. Also, this does not help anything. I'm watching the Jeffrey Dahmer show on Netflix. And okay. that's a lot. Like right now in my mind, that's playing because he had a, such a fascination with like mm. um, dissecting any kind of creature that eventually would lead to humans. If any of you don't know who Jeffrey Dahmer is, he's probably one of the most disturbing serial killers to ever exist. Not to, and like trigger warning on that. Like it's, he's that sh- the show is intense on Netflix. Um, Evan Peters is giving a performance that, my my husband and I consistently go. Should we check on Evan Peters? Like, is he okay? Because okay? this is a really <laughs> what is he? This is through? a deep performance that is of a, like a very disturbed human being. Um, but yeah, that's also like in my brain right at this moment with taxidermy because I've been mm. watching that show and it's just like, oh, I can't even look at the images that come up with any animals because there's a lot of dead animals on the show. Gotcha. Oh. Oz what to a, Oz. What a rabbit hole that we have fallen <laughs> And now we down. need to go to Oz because it's the world and is now scary. Take us. <laughs> no, but I love what you said, Andrew. Of like, yeah, kind of those childhood aspects of those fears, and then finding a way as an adult to yes. kind of bring them back. And I just find that so fascinating, and that's inspiring. I'm like thinking about my own life, like, ooh. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much we want Resurrect. to get into it. Like, yeah, what what would be something, or maybe not necessarily a fear, but something that you held as a child that you've since shifted as an adult? I think this is all in keeping with the themes yeah, of Oz. Like, what, it's the theme. What, mm. This is Return to Oz, I think, what we just did on the pod. Like, yeah. a lot of, um, right. I think, a lot of folks, especially folks who grew up in the 80s and 90s, who, like, were did have access to return to Oz in this like very muddied sequel land that didn't really, you know, (laughs) make any logistical sense, even like the de-aging of Dorothy simply just being very confusing. Um, But like how a lot of us as kids just kind of like accept what we're given. And then this movie is pretty traumatizing in like, you know, we, we see this like sugary world from MGM and then it goes to this really different place in this bizarre Disney dark crystal (laughs) version of Oz. Um, I feel like revisiting return to Oz was one of my favorite things I've done this year. Like it was was really the conversations, especially since it's so, I feel like they had a, they left it in question marks. They didn't really define definitively make a claim in the film, which is both, I think why it's not, it didn't have success and also why it's a cult classic now. You know, because you could put your own spin on it because they leave things very, very loose. So mm. I encourage like all kids who are like maybe, I don't know, kinder trauma with the return to Oz to revisit because it honestly, I think, gives some of the best messages for childhood and how to deal with the dark. In our 2022 holiday giveaway, we are ecstatic to feature artist Lee Wiley's original Return to Oz and Dark Fantasy art. It's a treat for survivors of 80s, 90s kinder traumas like us. For the month of November, Lee is running a Kickstarter to produce a 120-plus page coffee table art book celebrating favorite characters in soft cover and a unique cardboard design cardboard follow the yellow brick link in our show notes and you can get your own custom cardboard design when you become a backer these will be originals you will receive with your pledge and even may be featured inside the book 
There are also more goodies to be had with your pledge, from original cardboard art to shirts and prints. It's very exciting. We hope you become a backer of our friend Lee and or win our giveaway, you lucky ducks. Check out Lee's nostalgic blasts from the past in comics and classic characters on Etsy as well. Mm -hmm. I was listening to an essay that was talking about this is more relating to video games, but that even though you may not understand what the the themes are talking about, especially in those kind of like darker themes, it, it's almost like training wheels. Like it's, it's not your own experience, but you're kind of like yeah. watching people experience those darker feelings and, and giving you kind of almost like a dry run of how to kind of navigate it. Or like, I wouldn't do this or I would do this or I don't like this feeling or I, I need to kind of like, embrace that feeling and i think maybe that's i i think when you're when you're when i hear you talking about return to oz that's what that reminds me of like oh yeah i definitely remember not understanding half the things i was feeling when i watched it originally but knowing that those were things that would come later in life or i would start to kind of like better understand uh and again like as that dry run of going oh now i know what like real terror is now i understand (laughs) being truly afraid yeah, it's curious. It's a it's a curious adaptation. I don't know if you again. I I haven't listened to the epi- that episode yeah. yet. But what would you if that sequel hadn't existed? Mm-hmm. What would your approach to a sequel to the original MGM be? Like, would you do a true like a completely different like you focus on tip mm-hmm. like you do a true adaptation, or would you skip mm-hmm. and go to Dorothy? Like, what would your what would your what your like instinct mm-hmm. sequel? concepts be um i don't think we've talked do you feel like that shirley temple storybook falls more in a line with like sequel to like mgm (laughs) than yeah of course return to us surely i feel like if that was a full like dawn production film i feel like that could have happened with yeah shirley Shirley temple as tip i really think that (laughs) yes um i could see that i feel like there were hushing, like hush hush, like Noel Langley did start a script, apparently, who was one of the uh, screenplay writers on the original classic MGM. He did have something in the works. I can't imagine an MGM sequel. You know what's really cool, though? The Marvel comic um, mm. of Marvelous Land sticks with the MGM visual. So that's pretty cool to see. Um like to see like the Ray Boulder scarecrow living on in the Oz book, um, the bomb Oz book in this way. So it's cool to see that. I just don't think I could see it. Like that's really interesting. I I haven't thought about that, but what you did make Mm -hmm. me think of is bomb. (laughs) His like intention is, was to like leave out the dark, (laughs) like in, in these books, like that is clearly said in his intro, which is like, Actually, I think he did something better, which is like, don't leave it out, like invite it in Mm -hmm. because it's a part of life, Um, which I think that is like my favorite thing with Oz. It's not just like, you know, the sugary world. So I'm glad that like that Mm -hmm. Return to Oz exists, even though it makes no sense as a sequel. (laughs) Logical. Yeah, like as a logical sequel. I I kind of love that it's like a divergent piece. Um, Agreed. Feruza Block's performance, I think, is still one of the best Dorothy Gale performances to ever exist. Maybe I would even say if we're sticking to like Bomb, I think even 
at a higher extent than Judy. Judy was like of a di- like you know Judy was just sensational, but like Hollywood sensational of the gold of the mm-hmm. golden age. Um, but Farouz is just like living in that world, and it's level. beautiful to watch. Yeah. yeah, I'm such a big fan. I I didn't watch it until I was an adult, and I I fell in love this year for sure. Oh, so the first your first viewing of it was recent interesting yeah she was recent i grew up on it 20 yeah gotcha yeah so what was your what was your awareness of it before seeing it like before you'd watched it what was your impression that you thought you were going to see and was that in line with what you experienced andrew's interviewing us it was i know i love it (laughs) i would i had heard of it from friends because i've always you know anyone who knows me knows that i love oz growing up um so people would be like, oh, have you seen that Return to Oz? Have you seen the, you know, Tin Man with Zoe Deschanel? And I'd always be like, no, I'm a purist. Like, I only want Judy. I was just a little bit, you know. Judy naive. Elite. Um, I was Judy Elite. And then also connecting it back to your earlier question of um, childhood fears. Like, I could not watch anything remotely frightening. Um, and I I couldn't sleep if I had seen something at all that I thought was scary. Like I had to sleep on my parents' floor <laughs> like till I was a preteen, um, which now I live by myself and I'm starting to watch kind of more scary things. And that's my way of like being like, you're not going to die. It's okay. You can do this. Um, so I was just Jeffrey afraid Dahmer, to watch though, it. By herself. I, I know as you were talking about it, I was like, no, it's also because it happened. One. Just don't do it. Mm. It's a real it's life awful. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I was just expecting to not really enjoy it and find like playfulness or humor in it. I thought it was just going to be, I don't know, drier um, and just more of a time capsule. But honestly, the time capsule-ness of it made it even better and like the campiness. And there was so much humor and warmth and just the characters. I fell in love with TikTok even more. Like it was so well done. And as we ventured deeper into all the special effects and all of the love that went into it, it's such a warm film. I think we even had that discussion of like cold warm. and warm yeah. and how it, you know, I felt just so much warmth and I would definitely revisit yeah. it like once a year, like an annual a watch. Yeah. October. It's revisiting. totally this time of year too. Like it's a great yeah. rewatch. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right, Andrew, we got to get you. <laughs> we got to talk about you. Right this has been delightful. I'm going to yeah, turn it around so again. It's I know. I'm also get, happy to get talk ready. about this. We love this. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> get <laughs> ready. Well, I have a rapid fire question for you. Okay. If you could name like two or three um, fantasy worlds or characters as a kid that sort of inspired you to create as an adult, what would they be? Okay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's going to sound like I have this lined up as a plug, but I would say uh, Neverland, (laughs) like the world of Peter Pan, um, as well as Oz, like as much as I didn't get into the bigger world, I, the horse of uh, horse of a different color. Is that right? From the film? Like just like that one, that one (laughs) moment really inspired me of like, oh, this feels like a bigger world. Uh, So uh, even though that. it was only from the movies, still, still mm-hmm. Oz, and I would also say Wonderland. Uh, and most of these are exposure from the uh, from the films, uh, but uh, then getting into the books later on, found that there's so much more. That's the fun thing of going from adaptation to source materials. I always find, oh, there's so much in this adaptation, and then going back to the source, going, oh, there's so much more, and just like the world opening up beyond that. So. I don't know if this is very good rapid fire answers, but at least that, that was awesome. <laughs> that was great. 
Thank you. Okay, so talk to us about how these worlds maybe guided you towards illustrating and designing. Like, I also just am like, where did you get the confidence? Like, I want to know more about that because I do mm-hmm. think like becoming an artist takes like a special brew of things and like any things that you could share, like epiphanies you had in that part of the process or people who gave you a chance. We love to hear that. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah I would say uh, it's not so much a, <laughs> I don't know if it's a confidence as it's just a, a real, uh, my driving kind of uh, idea is like, why not? Like, do you know, I'm, there are tons of book Get ideas. It. Like, and I don't just do these game books, but just like even writing, I was doing an interview this or not an interview, a presentation to uh, high school students about my career or about illustration as a career. And one of the big things was like, you know, you're going to do a dozen yes. sketches and only one of them is going to go to final. Um, and I think right. that training has really sculpted, or I think maybe I gravitated towards this career because of that. But like, I've never been precious with my my artwork or with my ideas. Like I, I not to say that I don't think they're good or that I don't Love enjoy that. them, but I think it's just, there will always be more. And some of them are going to be real stinkers, uh, but I'm also okay yeah, to let those yeah. go. <laughs> So I know I the stinkers. I know the stinkers. <laughs> Same. I mean, I don't always know them when I'm sharing them, but uh, in hindsight, when they, you know, yeah, after the fact, they come to life. <laughs> so, That's the best when you think you have something good and you share it, and then you realize no, because like, oh, no. I shouldn't oh, no. even have opened oh, no. my mouth. Back away. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and 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 maybe it's Canadian humility, or maybe just my own personal approach. But I also Canadian am just like humility. it's okay. It's okay that I made that mistake and uh, learn and grow Beautiful. from that. As we talk about butterflies, so that's that's it. I think. Yeah, I think that's how yes. or where it comes from is just a, a willingness to try. And I've had lots of projects that don't go anywhere or I get halfway through and go, oh, this like I'm not actually enjoying this. So I need to kind of like reassess why I'm doing it and then mm. go, going from there. So as far as these books, like Tell my, me more like about D&D, that. The D&D books or the, the reassessment. Uh, I think this is oh, where yeah. people get tripped up or can go down dark knights of the soul you know what i mean like oh this isn't working i guess i can't do this so how do you continue how do you have peace with that and then move forward so and actually maybe a good example are actually the the like the neverland and the oz books that i've done i will because they're so big and there's so many different moving parts i will find that i have to really zero in on one part to just make progress and, and keep in my mind that i am actually getting something done um but that can also lead to me getting and hitting a wall and then going i'm i'm stuck and i just like sometimes feel like i have to just keep hitting the wall to break through it um but when i i I think i've done it enough now that i recognize oh no i like the the best way to approach this or like what i find works for me is to like take a step back and really just kind of like write down the problem, if that makes sense. Like what, what am I actually having yes, trouble with or why am I, yeah. yeah, why am I stuck? Um, and it doesn't always lead to the answer, but sometimes just writing it goes, oh, I'm just like tired of doing, of writing and I need to do some drawing or nice. I'm stuck on this composition. So why am I, why am I, like, what are my rules? Like what I think actually, let me take a step back and go, what it really is, is I end up making a lot of boundaries for myself, which help make me make sure I get things done. But Mm -hmm. sometimes I've drawn or I've made a box that is too small or the wrong shape. And then I just go, why am I, why am I existing in this? Like, why don't I change the shape of the box? 
Um, this is all sounding very abstract and high concept, but it really is no, what no. I what I do. Oh, no, that was helpful. Great. <laughs> very. <laughs> but helpful. it is. It's absolutely it. When I'm writing and I go, why am I so upset with this paragraph? Then I go, well, why does it need to be a paragraph? Why don't I make a bulleted list, or why don't I make a graph, or something else? Like just really kind of questioning the the fundamentals of like, what am I doing? Uh, and I don't always have the answers. And sometimes it takes a week and a bunch of Oreos before I can get back to it. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it's still about kind of like checking in with yourself and checking in with the project itself. If that, if that makes sense. This is great life advice. This is exactly Just what, this is like the nuanced <laughs> stuff I love to listen to, like the back and forth yeah. that every artist has. And like, I think it looks different mm-hmm. for everyone. I think, some folks have tapped into things like setting boundaries. I think that honestly is like key. And I struggle with that. I think a little bit like the setting the boundaries to create. And then when you're in the creation and it's not quite working, now what? Like having like that, mm-hmm. do I abandon? Do I back up? Do I ask a new question? Do I maybe say, this isn't how it's supposed to exist? That was so cool how you just walked us through that. So thank you for that. Very inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, thank you. And it's, a, and you made a good point about like, kind of like asking those questions too, because it does feel like a conversation with the project. Like as much as you're creating it, I think with both of these, I've had uh, turning points where I go, Oh, I thought I was making this, but it's actually now this. And like, it's still within the world of like, you know, a book for playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's, it hasn't completely changed where I've all of a sudden gone, oh, now it's a comic, but it will be an idea where like, oh, I think this is what I'm talking about or these are the themes of the book, but really it's actually over here and, and listening for that too, which I think can be tricky. Uh, Cause sometimes that's also where that wall comes up is I'm really trying to make it into this, but it doesn't want to be that, or just like, that's not right. And then going, oh, it actually needs to be this. Um, like for, for Oz, like this book specifically, I really wanted to make like a complete world. Like I wanted little different towns that you could go and visit yes. and interact with different characters and like really make it like just like what I imagined the books to be. But it was too big and I was like overwhelming myself and I just wasn't doing any, like I wasn't making any progress because I was just overwhelmed by it and going, well, what? like and realizing that and going, okay, well, how can I make this more manageable? Um and I guess what I ended up doing was like making it like one big kind of like metropolis type city. Uh, so instead of the different countries or like Winky Country and like Gilligan and, and such, they're kind of like districts in a big metropolis. So that you've got like uh, like Quadling District that. and you've got Munchkin District. So they're all and they're all like yellow brick roads. And then once I started to do that, then it's just it started to like kind of snowball on itself and go, Oh, all these things I've been having trouble with are solved by me, not trying to force it to be this big sprawling world, but instead uh, an interpretation that is more manageable for me to make. And then, and then kind of going from there. So yeah, again, listening to kind of what the project needs to be and hopefully it, it still works out. I'm still happy with it, but it's definitely different than what I imagined so it to good. be at the beginning. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Like letting, go of maybe I mean I've never created a full-fledged game but I imagine there's probably a little bit of with any act of creation like letting go of your own pride a little bit and letting as you said I love what you said like letting the project take its own life and let it be what it wants to be um was that similar with kind of backing up for a second the Neverland 
game as well. That was your first one. So I'm sure there was like a bit more of a learning curve. Yes. What were the, what was that process yeah. like? Uh, and that one was a little different because I had been playing it a bit before I mm. pitched it as a book. Um, like it was, it was just like something that I would do with like friends and family in like a casual setting. Uh, and the, the eternal struggle of a of self-employed artist going, Oh, I think I could like share this with others and, uh, and make money. Like, I think I could, I think I could share this with others in a, in a profitable way. It, I, I really struggle on like sounding too much like a capitalist. I think just at the end of the day going like, Oh, I like, I think this could go and be shared with others. So I think, that challenge was taking what was something that was like a bunch of random notes in a binder and making it into something that someone else could read in an understandable way. Um, so that, that challenge was going, Oh, how do I, how do I distill months of just random fun nights into something that hopefully could be recreated by others? Uh, so kind of like learning the language of, this sort of project was the was the initial challenge and then by oz i think i understood that better but not having the same history with the setting and also again like really wanting it to be like this big world uh where the where the challenges so yeah each both of these books have had very different challenges but uh so rewarding at the end of it yeah i love this okay so could you share maybe with doing neverland first which is a very fascinating world um, to build mm-hmm. and work with. What was maybe the biggest lesson you took from Neverland over to creating Oz? Like the something that did maybe help steer the ship? Oh, great question. Um, I think what I learned in Neverland was that, what was it? It was that I... I didn't want it to be the same. I don't know if this was something that I learned. I think I definitely had like a, f- a feeling going into Oz. Like I think the reason why I wanted to do Oz next was a couple of reasons. One, I, I didn't want to do like Treasure Island or another world that felt similar to Neverland with like pirates or like a wild untamed world. Um, and with Oz, it really felt like that was the antithesis. Like I think the world I'd created in Neverland felt like a very wild, dangerous place. Mm. And Oz had always kind of like felt not like the opposite, but kind of like a, a compliment or a cousin to it. Um, so in, in Neverland kind of like really trying to make things feel dangerous and wild and then going, I want to challenge myself to f- find something else. And that's where, Oz is really driven by kind of like social interaction or like community, if that makes sense. Like Neverland was always kind of like these, these disparate groups that don't really interact with each other are always in conflict. How do you approach something that feels very much integrated and communal? I don't know if any of this makes sense, but that is kind of like where I had gone from A to B. Can I reflect something back? I don't know if I'm nailing it either, but it sounds like Neverland had like I love that you're saying like the dangerous elements and I I also think and this might be influenced honestly I think it's the best thing once upon a time on ABC did was put <laughs> Peter Pan and we love shouting yeah, him out. put Peter Pan though as a villain which I honestly I'm like you oh, know what okay. I think yeah. he is <laughs> I really do think he is that's, I think that's fair streaks. I think he I, I think he's intoxicated with um, rain and Neverland and the youthful staying young. And maybe that could be see, seen as a not so helpful thing. But 
I think like just listening, I was like, oh, if Neverland is like danger and adventure, like Oz feels like the safe space you could return to <laughs> and maybe more utopia <laughs> that like I, I do think Oz cap- captures a lot of like our ideals as yeah. human beings. Like we're not there yet in this world. I think we would like to be there um, like where there is, I think, a nice like we don't really see a lot of turmoil on Oz. Like it's very kind of like, you know, small potato problems. Usually there's like a witch who comes up and like tries to like, you know, mess with things, but it's nothing that the people in power can't handle. Like there's never really, there's one book, like I would say maybe Lost Princess is the only one where we're like, oh, can they handle this? But they can handle it. Um, So seeing Oz as like a safe space, I love that you said community too. Um, Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And like, now I just want to know more about the game, <laughs> how you play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So yes, I guess let me, I will turn this around into a very small interview again. <laughs> what is your, what are your relationships with, uh, with Dungeons and Dragons? Or like, I think the the broad umbrella of like role playing mm-hmm. games. Um, Terry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, sh- I watch Stranger Things. So I know a little bit. I have that, but I'm also, I'm okay, a chess great. tutor in the city and we have like a role-playing experience for the children with understanding chess and like kind of these um, fairy tale. And antho- we have our own fairy tale anthology that introduces the kids to the pieces. And we have also a role-playing thing called Birch Guard Quest with our company that is for kids. It's Ooh. like a Dungeon and Dragons mini. So like, I'm aware of like that but i'm just aware of it like i don't know how to play and i don't know if like do you make like are you acting or is it more like like how does this look like i have no clue so i've met i have many questions okay well what is your take what is your like what is your impression of it so far and not to like not Dungeons to and correct Dragons? or to change yes yeah i'm interested in just I'm like what so you cu- i'm so curious I, okay. I think it looks like fun and i think i would be into it <laughs> okay. Mm, yeah. Okay, M, what is your what is your take? <laughs> yeah, so I have played Dungeons and Dragons once. Okay. It was truly just like a one-time thing. So a dear friend of mine plays every single week and was like, just join our team for just like a one-time thing. We went to um Hex and Co. in New York City, which is just like a game playing. You can get food. Um it was fun. It was a lot to learn. Like there was a whole sheet to fill out and I felt a little overwhelmed by just the choices because there is a structure, which I liked. And I almost felt like I needed to study a little bit in order to make better choices. Um, So that's my only formal kind of role playing. And then just like little ramble, I guess as a kid, my best friend and I, I don't know if this counts, but all we would do would we would be like, okay, you're going to be this person. I'm going to be this person. And then we're going to act it out. And here's what's going to happen. And then you're going to say that. And then this will happen. I don't know if we ever even acted it out. We like talked about acting it out for hours and we loved it. So that's so interesting. um, As far as I know. Yeah, it was all about just like the imagining of it, which was fun. Um, so that's my, my experience. I did that okay, with I mean, Saved by the Bell Boys. Like I would be like, I'm going to date this Saved by the Bell Boy and you're yeah. going to date this Saved by the Bell yeah. Boy. 
<laughs> and that segues yes. well into so the current adventure that I'm running in Oz with my friends uh, and kind of like play test it and help me kind of like work through the kinks. Uh, they recently in a session uh, went on a date. So it actually there's there's room for romance in Oz as well with a librarian who is helping them. It, it's like oh. a whole story. It doesn't matter. But what matters is, yeah, you can absolutely have I think both of your experiences or what you're describing is absolutely a part of it. I think if you just add dice and a lot of math, then I think you, you basically arrive at it. And some groups, I think the big thing will be like some groups, every table is different. Like every group of friends playing the same board game will be different. Um, Mm -hmm. Where some are more interested in the rolling dice and keeping track of turns and all the kind of like rules, like you were saying, Em. like, I think some really focus on that. Others, We'll we'll have nights where we don't roll the dice at all. It's really just role playing in this setting, like just saying, "This is the circumstance we're in. What what would you do?" Uh, and then that back and forth. So, I, like for folks who have not played before, I I tend to try mm. to pitch it as kind of like collaborative imagination with like a bit of improv and some roll like dice rolling. Like it can be a like a light board game with almost like if you thought like if you if you took Clue. And then expanded it out to be like, oh, oh, actually, like a clue meets a murder mystery. I think is a great way to put it. Like you've got like a, a like an active role playing part of it with stuff on the table that kind of helps keep it organized. If that make, does that make sense? I haven't worked yeah. on this pitch that well, yeah. but no, this is so no, that's great. And so like like the clue film is there. There's all there's all different kinds of endings, right? Perfect. Yes. I think so. My partner recently <laughs> asked me because she is, uh, she obviously knows that I, ex- I like spend time in, in this kind of like community and she has no experience. And she's like, wait, how do you win? And I was like, that's a great question. I think you win <laughs> at the end of the night when everyone says that was fun. Like, I think that's that maybe a, a, a cheesy answer, but I will say there's no right or wrong. Like, I think some people tend to run games like a video game where this is the direction you're supposed to choose and this is what you're supposed to do. But I think like the best improv, if everyone is kind of like on board to just play, then I think that's where surprising things happen. So that's, yeah, again, that's how I pitched. That's how I pitched D and D to newcomers. I love that. Yeah. It's sold. (laughs) It's much more, yeah, open-ended and much more room for improv than I was expecting now that you explain it that way. I, and I will also say that really depends on the like the group. Like I think the people who I right. play with and I think how I run a game, because again, the, the general structure is there's kind of like one person who is like essentially putting the pieces onto the board and saying, this is what's happening. And then the other side of it is kind of everyone else who is moving their pieces in response. So there's like a call mm-hmm. and answer but it is still kind of guided by one person. There are other games that are structured differently, um, but I think Neverland and Oz and like most D&D games are kind of that asymmetry as far as the balance is concerned. Um, and some people, like some uh, folks who run the games, don't kind of like lean towards that improv as much. So I think if if you're feeling like, oh, this is too... Mm-hmm. X for me or, or Y for me, then that doesn't necessarily mean it's D&D. It may just be the group that you're playing with. But uh, it can be very okay. improvisational if, you, if you're interested. Yeah. Okay. Some rapid fire practical questions for you. Great. Okay. <laughs> can you play digitally? I'll start there. Can you play digitally? Yes, okay. you can. Yep. Excellent. This is good cool. to know. Can you? Okay. Um, how, time. Like how much time should you give this? Oh, it depends. Um, I think if you've never 
never played before, I guess my recommendation is it would probably help if someone has either watched something online to yes. see kind of how it can work. A leader. Or, yes, yeah, 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 <laughs> fair. Uh, or someone who has played before um, to kind of guide, because I think it can be tricky to find. And I mean, like, there are so many resources now online that that makes it very that much easier. I also know that I, I have friends who, like, when they were kids in the 70s, they like they didn't have the internet to learn. They were just reading books and then just like kind of finding yes. their own way to play. So there's really also no right or wrong way to play as long as, again, as long as everyone's kind of having fun. Um, but time, would you say, I would like, say, if you wanted a first session, yeah, how much time yeah, would you allow? I, I would, I would probably give it a couple of hours um, or like an evening. Okay. Like I think, I think if you're in person, yeah. uh, I think it's different online. I think I find Yes. We play for a shorter amount of time just because you're you're kind of sitting there and, and not stuck, but like it's just different. Uh, in person, yeah, it, it, yeah like, a, like a light party. Like you've got snacks and everyone kind of can get up and, and take breaks as they need yes. it. So yeah, ideally you have a night to kind of spend like, I don't know, half an hour to an hour. If no one's played before to kind of figure things out and then uh, maybe an hour or two to just kind of see what happens. Um, I'm also not very good at just like a one night adventure. Like I, I, because it's so open-ended mm-hmm. by the end of the night, we usually end on some sort of cliffhanger and then we come yes, back and yes, try it again. Correct. So, uh, it's, uh, it's ongoing. Um, but yeah, okay. that's, that's the love of this. And last rapid fire. Can't, do you have to know D and D before playing the Oz fantasy role playing, or can you just jump in? I would say the players know, but I would say the person who's running the adventure probably huh. should, because I think a, a real like like in the weeds kind of answer is like the book is designed with D and D in mind, but there are also other systems that you can use. Um, so kind of like a card game, like everyone's using the same deck of cards, but there are different games you can play with those that same deck. Um, Oz is kind of like the deck of cards. Like you could play different games with that same kind of like book because I want Oz to be as accessible as possible. Um, So you kind of have to have a sense of what game you're playing before you pick up Oz. Otherwise it's just a deck of cards and you don't know why are half of them red and why are half of them black. Like it just, it Mm -hmm. it might be a little abstract. Um, But I mean, I'll also say if someone, if someone's hearing this and they've, maybe played a bit of D&D and they're now looking at Oz and have any questions, I will answer all of them. Like I will do whatever I can. I will answer emails Aww. or tweets or whatever, <laughs> anything. I, I'm happy to guide. Like I've, I've spent a lot of time running games for people who have never played before. Uh, and that's actually part of why I did these books is because I found people who had never played maybe aren't that interested or seen Stranger Things. But once you put them in a world that... Uh, <laughs> put them in a world that they kind of recognize. It's like, Oh, I understand pirates and mermaids and who these children are, or I now understand the, the, who the tin woodman is. And, and like, there's some familiarity that it's, it's not just the challenge of it's, well, it's just the challenge of D and D it's not D and D. And now this weird fantasy world that I have to understand. So um, yeah, if anybody's ever had, if anybody has any questions about Oz, or Neverland, I will field them all. I will gladly reply to everything I can. This is great to know, listeners. <laughs> Excellent customer service. <laughs> or just like community. I'm just like happy. I and mean, there are lots yes. of people, but yes, absolutely. I, I just want to 100%. I just want to share. Uh, it's a fun game. It's like a fun way to spend time with people. Yeah. Love that. That is awesome. 
Adventure is just down the yellow brick road as the award-winning author and illustrator of Neverland returns with another intricately designed RPG setting book in Oz of Fantasy Role-Playing Game. Wait, Tara, is this Oz D&D? And can we now finally pretend to be Dustin and Will from Stranger Things? Absolutely, MK. While many have traveled with Dorothy Gale to the world of Oz, there is so much more to explore in Oz, a fantasy role-playing game. But know this, there is more to the land and its inhabitants than the rumors might suggest. Appearances can be deceiving, and like any good metalsmith will tell you, the only way to tell a gold bar from a yellow brick is to hit it with a hammer. So begins Andrew Kolb's Oz, a fantasy role-playing game. While 5th edition compatible like its predecessor, Neverland, Oz uses an urban setting point crawl instead of a hex crawl full of secrets to discover via underground trains and a monorail that loops around all four districts of Oz. With different neighborhoods to explore, factions to join, and questions to ask like, what happened to the slippers anyway? Y'all know we're wondering about this. Players can escape to the Emerald City for hours on end. I can't believe you just said Emerald City monorail. How dare. Now, where can myself and gamer listeners find this game? Oz, a fantasy role-playing game, is available via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, linked in our show notes, and most local game stores can order it. Also, to anyone who enters our end-of-the-season giveaway, you may win it, so stay tuned. Can't wait to play this with our pod squad. See you in Emerald City! Well, you've touched a bit on the kind of characteristics of the actual Oz role-playing game, like what makes it different and unique. I mean, we're kind of obsessed. We are obsessed that there's a monorail. There's a subway system. Are there dice? Like, what are the main kind of components? And how did you sort of follow those threads of inspiration from the Oz canon to infuse these Uh, into the game? Oh, okay. So the I think in, in going back to the books and reading them as an adult, I think one of the things I really realized, especially in those first couple series, is that it's very political. Like, not that it's the main thrust of it, but politics play uh, a big part of those early books with uh ginger usurping scarecrow and ozma and uh, so i i really wanted to take that into the the book like i wanted it to feel political so um (laughs) one of the things i've done is like this big city which is in different districts it's all still ruled by ozma in the in the middle like in the heart of the city but essentially there's a ruler in each district which is given the title of witch wizard or warden if they're non-binary but um essentially uh like the tin woodman could be the the wizard of the west uh or mombi could be positioned into the witch of the north and actually re-listening to or listening to your episode about uh the marvelous land of oz mombi can now be considered a a witch if she's uh put into that position so um, that is that is uh, That's all she wants. In line Let with, her like, what's the <laughs> Let her yeah, live. yeah, yeah. Have dream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I've tried to change it for, or what I've tried to take from the books is is the kind of politics of it. So whoever's running the game kind of chooses who oh. is running each district. Because uh, again, folks who maybe are only aware or are experiencing the movies may only know Dorothy, the Cowardly Lion, Scarecrow, and Tin Woodman. But I mean, if you have a bunch of players who know. Uh, button bright, and they know TikTok, uh, and they yes. know 
the Gnome King, then why not put them into these different positions? Like what happens if Gnome King like takes over one of the districts of the, of the city? What is the politics of that? Then? Yeah, I don't, that's, that's a, I would move my district if I lived in the Gnome Kings. <laughs> I would either marry the Gnome King or move. That's oh, no. my oh, choice. Oh, no. Can I marry him? Is that allowed? Absolutely. I mean, okay. like, you're going to have to roll a dice to see how much and my dream. Know, he's into it. Listeners. But yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. He, ha- he has to be into it. Does- yeah, he's got to also reciprocate, yeah. which I we haven't talked about that. I don't terror. know if he would reciprocate. <laughs> I which, really have like a little crush on the Gnome King. Which version of the Gnome King do you have a Rugido. crush on? Yeah, definitely Ooh. like the book one because he's like like almost in like I just want to like hug him. That's really all it is. I just want to hug That's him. It. I think he's like a little angry toad. Okay, um, he needs you know some love. like I I just want him to. I want to give him like a whack a mole game to take out his frustrations, and then I think he'd be fine. He just has mm-hmm. a lot of pent up mm-hmm. anger, but I I do adore the gnome king. So this but is I like hair, like hair, beard, and eyebrows, not like rock exterior mm-hmm. version, right? Is that is that right? Like from the books? Oh, I mm. I feel like oh yeah yeah. I, I, Which aesthetic? Do I you want? want I want the rock one. That would be cool. <laughs> oh, oh okay okay. Not what I thought. I really thought you were going uh, like book illustration <laughs> oh version, but okay, no, you're like more Return to Oz version. Oh, I thought we meant like a rocker version. Like I was like, I'll take a rocker version of the note. Oh, I see. <laughs> I went a different place. But no, I'm definitely, yeah, more book. Okay. No, okay. You want a bad boy version yeah, of the like, book. And like maybe even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We had to go down this. <laughs> Andrew, time. you're letting Tara live her best <laughs> I mean, life. This right is now. giving me more incentive to play. If I can like marry exactly. the gnome king. You can live out this yes. fantasy. Incredible. I can't stress enough. D and D is whatever you wow. want to make it. So, okay. like we said, we have, yeah. we have sometimes we have a I'm, dating simulation. I have goals now. <laughs> I <laughs> yes. have goals. In this game. <laughs> that's it. Some. Yeah, I that's love it. it. Oh, I. We need a coffee. This is. Or we need. We need a. We need to play I know, this we have ourselves we and dive in. Play with. <laughs> oh, we have yeah, a whole for sure. Squad. People would be yeah. obsessed. Would yeah. So, Andrew, where can people most easily find the game and find out more info about oh, you? Oh, sure. Uh, so, my name is. Andrew Kolb. Uh, and I think Googling that usually helps find me and the books. Um, the books can be found uh, Barnes and Noble or like wherever you get books from. Um, I always try to recommend like if you have like a hobby shop or like a game store, they may not have copies. Uh, they might have copies, but if they don't, they can order them in. And then you're right, kind of like yeah. helping that kind of like local business. Um, but yeah, wherever you get books, both Neverland and Oz are available. And then I'm available. Uh, on social media, on at, at Kolb is neat. Um, so my, like my last name is neat and tidy. So just Kolb is neat. Uh, and my website is <laughs> Kolb is neat. So that's it. What you said about like um, D&D players being introduced to Oz is so cool. Because that's, I think, like what we have found in this podcast is like, mm-hmm. Yes, we started with Oz, but we now know so many things that we didn't know anything about because Oz was like the lead in. Like, I specifically think, and when we were doing the original book, we were in the dainty China country, which that is like a metaphor for way too many things the dainty China country, like fragile people trying to exist and it just not working out for them. 
But also just because there was a big wall built around it, we were like, let's talk about like what it means to put up a wall. And then like researching the walls at our borders between Canada and Mexico. Like it's just like, you know what I mean? Like that's the magic I think that Oz keeps giving because it is so universal at this point. Um, So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to now see if like D&D, because now I have my familiar cloak of Oz, Mm. will be something I'll be interested in. No, that's great. I, I yeah. love that you have deep book cuts. Like that just makes me <laughs> so excited. Like yes. I think I was listening to um, something of yours on YouTube with a, I guess like maybe a, in, the, in the gaming community mm-hmm. talking about like the fuddles. I was like, yeah. yes, the, the fuddles. fuddles. Like they're in this game. That's yep. amazing. Like Represent. these characters, I don't want to get lost to time. So I think yeah. it's just amazing that you're continuing to amplify them, reinterpret them. Bomb really did leave behind something special. And I think it's cool when folks add their own and keep it going. Yeah. It's such a big world. Like I, I think I didn't realize what I love is just the interconnectedness of just reading a book that's set in the same world, but not always following the same characters. Like I've read other novel series that have done that, but didn't realize that Bomb had done it almost first or very, like very early on, like really blazed a trail with going, oh, it's not about just this character. It's about this land. Like it's about who is interacting with this world and what does that mean for them, right? Like if Scraps is, like if if there's a book that focuses on Ojo and, but not Dorothy, but it's still in the same world and it still feels like it's the same. It's just like so, such an inspiration to have this like full world realized in in a series of books. Yeah. And consistency was not his thing, but I think that's now our job. You know what I mean? Like we clear it up. It's open to interpretation right. or yeah, we figure it out. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you notice that? Were you, were you, when you read the books, what were some of the consistency things that? I mean, the first one like, was what? the big, I obviously the biggest one is the wizard. Like just, just the uh-huh. journey that they t- take big us change. on. And I, and listening to that, like, I know you mentioned kind of him yeah. responding to the, the readers ball. and going, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I understand. And I really respected that too. Like going, okay, weird that this is in this book, but now knowing where we're going, it's like, okay, it seems like there's some course correction or just like some, maybe, maybe that's still very much in uh-huh. the spirit of Oz of kind of like forgiveness and just going, you know what, you made these mistakes, but uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll forget yeah, that. The- and. He, he was gonna drag the wizard. He really was. I think that was the initial <laughs> intention was to drag the wizard. Drag him, responsible baby. for a lot of the issues in Oz. But then yeah. readers writing in, in case listeners, you're like, what are we talking about? People people wrote in and said we like the wizard. So then the w- wizard became redemption arc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also like Bomb did like a gaslighting of his own, like what he said. It's like it didn't even happen. <laughs> he did. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he's like, the wizard's always been good. It's like, wait, I read Marvelous (laughs) Land, though, and he was not good on that. (laughs) The piglets. Yeah, we we still haven't forgiven him for the piglets, for kidnapping Mm. those piglets to use. That's an upsetting one. In his magic act. He still gets away with that. That was shocking. Yeah. Yeah. He's a a complex character. Bomb writes complex characters, (laughs) which I think I really appreciate as now, even more as an adult. Especially the older men are all complex, like Shaggy Man, Man, Mm. the Wizard. And I think that's Mm -hmm. because Bomb was also very complex. And he, Mm. I think he infused himself in the Wizard and Shaggy Man, especially in their relationships with younger people. Interesting. So what do you make of then that he was originally writing the wizard as a villain? Like, do you think that was 
I think it was something he maybe played with. This is just me going off of like what we know. I think it wasn't intentional maybe at the beginning. I think he just wanted to show like exactly kind of what the MGM movie highlights, like a good man in a capitalist system, you know, just trying to make it work, trying to be in power. Trying to do his best. Totally a fake, a phony. I wish I never laid eyes on you. Like totally. (laughs) totally But I think he probably came up with the plot for Marvelous like later on and was like, oh, interesting. Like how, like, yeah, how did the wizard get into power? Let's, let's show this. I mean, he kidnapped a princess. Like that's, (laughs) that's not okay. a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, He sold uh... a child. Like that's a whole (laughs) crazy thing. Um, Yeah. And I think he did want to maybe put the responsibility on the wizard, but he never developed it because mm. he list- he really did care about what his readers mm-hmm. cared for in the story. He would not derail from that, I- which is beautiful. And also like, so I also really wish we would know what he wanted to do if it wasn't interfered with. Mm. Right. Left to his own devices. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It really was even from the start, a community of just, of yes. Of ideas. 100%. Yeah. We all are a part of creating Oz. Yes. In a way. And I- I love like the family has consistently since like probably the 50s, 60s, 70s always been like it should be public domain and not really like, you know, crazy about rights with the original story, which is so generous. And also, mm-hmm. I think if there was some of that, because so many like we can all interpret us like it's not like we're going to run into any legal issues <laughs> either, right. which is really, really great. Like it is the it is the fairy tale. I feel like expect like I don't even I was going to say for like the American people, but I I believe it's beyond mm-hmm. that. It's just I feel like in a very modern, very it still is modern because it's all about like following what you want for yourselves. And I that's kind of still a modern idea because that wasn't always the case. People had to survive and it wasn't about ambitions and aspirations, mm-hmm. but yeah, like it, it still feels like it was written yesterday. Feels contemporary. Yeah. I remember reading a quote that said that Oz was, I don't know if it was the first or the last, but like the, like the great American fairy tale, like where others were yeah. more kind of like European it uh, is. And, and it really stuck with me even going back and yeah, reading yeah. the books and, and kind of like also driving my interpretation going like, right. What is, how does this differ from like a wonderland or a neverland or the books that were like written in a different place at a different time? Like this definitely still feels North American in a way. I, I, and I can't put my finger on exactly yeah. what it is, but it mm-hmm. definitely it has that yeah. kind of new, like new outlook to it that I think is distinctly from like a North American interpretation. Yeah. yeah. We could just easily okay. insert ourselves into this world. I, I think it's beautiful too to see like this young girl um, go on this adventure towards. She doesn't even know what she's doing really. She's just putting one step in front of herself, and she invites these people along the way. And they're so flawed, but she like still brings them along. Like I think that's maybe what's different too. There's flaws in Wizard of Oz that are mm-hmm. embraced, and I think that's kind of not something a lot of other fairy tales do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moral right. isn't so clear as in previous fairy tales where it's like, this is the big lesson. And like wagging your finger. Wagging your finger. Yeah. Yeah. It's more like empowering perhaps, or it's more empowering. What you take from it. 
which I, I think we all like, that's kind of, we are fueled by our ideals. I think now, like, right. Like, cause we don't see a lot of our ideals clear. We clearly don't see a lot of our ideals, um, coming to fruition, especially when it comes to like living in harmony, like we're not there. So I think like Oz keeps holding on to like the empowerment of those ideals and that they can happen mm-hmm. and still believing in it, even if it feels far. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Well, we have one last rapid fire to close us up, Andrew. Okay. But um, listeners, we'll link all of the uh, in the show notes, all of the links to Andrew's socials and where you can find the game and books and read more about him and reach out to him if you when you play the game and you if you need some help. Um, so our final question uh, is, if you could design your very own pair of ruby slippers to make you feel empowered in your truest self what would they be okay great question uh so i think they would be low top um and have a good a good comfortable sole um i think bright colors i i mean like if i'm gonna keep with oz then i want all four of the colors uh, represented yes uh, like ginger with, skirt yes exactly. <laughs> yes absolutely yeah. yes. with emerald emerald laces i don't know if these count as slippers anymore but maybe there's just like a, go, a toe go, go, go. it's um, very wide yes open. yeah it's it's a rainbow set of shoes with emerald laces that's that's it and a good comfortable sole yeah that's it love that I love that. I'm here for I that. Think we, we need a shoe shop. Um, I know. Who do we getting... know that can design shoes for us so and good. manufacture them? It's like kinky boots for us. Yes. <laughs> oh, great. Yes. Yeah, we'll make it work. Completely. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us. And thank you so much, Andrew, for joining the Slipperhood. And we hope to meet you in person one day. But thanks for joining us. And we can't wait to play Oz, a fantasy role-playing game. Lovely. Thank, thank you, you again for having me. Of course. Think so. Want to win a holiday gift bundle of eclectic Oz treasures? We can't believe it, but it's that time of the year again. Time for our annual end of the season giveaway. Not only will we be personally curating two gift boxes to send to two of our amazing listeners, but we will also be giving away three VIP Pod Squad passes for bonus content and community this winter. That's right. Three VIPs will get to experience our virtual pod squad hangs, group chat and close friend experience on IG, blogs and bonus episodes, including winter 2023 episode breakdowns of NBC's Emerald City, only available to Patreons, merch discounts, our newsletter, and monthly music videos. Oh, it is a good, good time. To enter the end of the season giveaway, Please rate and review us wherever you rate and review podcasts. All previous Apple podcast rate and reviews since our debut in 2020 will be counted as one entry. Please email us at downtheybp at gmail.com or tag DM us on Instagram at downtheyellowbrickpod a screenshot of any other review submitted on other platforms like Audible for two entries. You must make sure you send the non-Apple reviews our way to count. And finally, for five extra entries, join our Patreon pod squad at any tier. All current Patreons are automatically entered. Can't wait to spoil you rotten listeners. Who knows? The winner could be you. It could be you.
Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling fresh with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and now Spotify woot woot to leave us a glowing rate and review. It's a big help. Each person who leaves us an Apple review will be entered to win our end of the season Oz giveaway, including a gift basket of Aussie book goodies that trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Further fun and ways to support us can be found at our Etsy swag shop from Good Witch Trouble merch to our new Fab Four of Oz icon collection with a big shout out to our graphic designer, Maddie Frank. Find us also on Patreon and Instagram via Down the Yellow Brick Pod, as well as on Venmo at Down the YBP. We always appreciate a tip tip here. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? Okay, Auntie M. 